1: What's up? What's going on? Welcome back to Spin Rate. My name is Drew Fairservice, and this is the midweek edition of Spin Rate, the Athletics Blue Jays podcast. Uh, we've got a lot of, to talk about this week. Obviously, a lot going on with the Blue Jays, uh, just wrapping up this mini-series in Boston. Offense kind of struggling, uh, defense kind of letting them down, pitching actually, you know, kind of stepping up to the plate a little bit. So this week, I think it's important that we talk to someone who can really help us Drill down, figure out and understand what is going on with your Toronto Blue Jays and also what will be going on and what can we look forward to, not only with, with the Blue Jays, but around baseball itself. I'm excited to talk to, of the athletic, Eno Saris. You know him well. I've been talking to Eno on podcasts for the better part of a decade now and he's always a great guest. We always have a great time and I'm really excited to chat with him about the balls that they're using in the big leagues these day, these days about the junk they're putting on the balls, and all about all the Blue Jays' kind of storylines and the big stuff that's coming up for your Toronto Blue Jays. So if you want to read Eno, put out a big story with Ken Rosenthal here in the early parts of this week, you got to go to theathletic.com slash spinrate. got to subscribe to The Athletic. Get all everything that Caitlin writes, everything that Eno writes, everything that Ken Rosenthal writes, Jason Stark wrote about the Blue Jays this week. So much for you out there. Make sure you go and subscribe to that and subscribe to this show subscribe to spin rate wherever you get your podcasts if it's on apple Podcasts, if it's on spotify if it's on overcast or stitcher wherever look for spin rate subscribe hit us with a like hit us with a rating with a thumbs up whatever it takes whatever it takes is what i need you to do i was i was trying to think about the super league somebody was asking me on twitter if i can explain super league in baseball terms Super League was a big story in, in Europe this week, where some of the biggest clubs in the world kind of formed a bit of a breakaway republic. They were going to run their own league, which it's it's a really odd concept because it doesn't really work over here. I know that there's a lot of people that love to talk about promotion and relegation in in North American sports, as they do in the top uh, English and and you know world worldwide soccer leagues. I was thinking about it. I was talking with someone about it online. The problem with that, you, you can't do it in baseball. It doesn't work. The farm systems are owned by the parent teams. The Blue Jays decide who goes on the Buffalo Bisons. That's not going to allow them to then some you know, one year by chance compete head to head. But the best thing I could describe of the Super League is kind of as if the Red Sox, Yankees, Cubs, and Dodgers decided they needed to play in their own separate league where they didn't need to share quite as much of the money. That their television eyeballs re, uh, uh, generate with the Pirates and the Marlins and whoever else, maybe you maybe you could include the um, I don't know the uh, the some other big baseball teams like the what are they the Yomiuri Giants? Maybe you want to include the Dusan Bears from Korea, but I don't know. That's not a great analogy, but basically it's it's that those teams are a little bit tired of sharing the pie, but then it fell apart. And it's so exciting in some ways to see uh, direct action by fans and direct action by people uh, producing real world real world results. And in, on top of that, you know, there maybe 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 sports is the first place is the first vanguard for that kind of stuff where we can we can see the results of, of what happens when people may take direct action when they let important and moneyed and rich and powerful people know that they don't get to just run over the little people the regular people the people who are at the mercy of their whims It'd be great to see that extend beyond sports let's use sports as a little test we can we can test things out in sports and and baseball keeps floating these trial balloons and how great would it be to see fans mobilize and organize and maybe um take a step against some of the stuff that that These changes that are coming that don't necessarily benefit fans, don't benefit the game, maybe just benefit the TV rights holders, whatever it is. Um, North American sports fans, most of us, we're not really wired that way, but I think it might be a good little test to then take it into the larger society when maybe we have a chance to, you know, fingers crossed, make things a little bit better. But anyway, without any further ado, we're going to go, we're going to talk to Eno Saris of The Athletic and have a great time doing it on this week's edition Spin rate. All right. As mentioned before, it is my pleasure this time to be joined by the Athletic Zone, Eno Sarris. Eno, thank you so much for taking the time and uh, joining me today.
2: Hey, it's uh, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me on. And uh, sorry that uh, we missed connection a little bit. <laughs> it's a little bit crazy here. Got a uh, new- newborn, a five year, five day old in the house. Uh, my new nephew,
1: and uh, that boy cries a lot. Well, congratulations to uh, to you and your family. Uh, And and that is difficult, especially if if it's if it's not your kid. It probably gets a little bit uh, more challenging at times. It's more difficult because
2: when your kid, you're just like you're all in, right? You're just like, okay, baby, amazing. You know, when it's someone else's, you're just like, can you can you go somewhere else?
1: <laughs> I, I, I don't. Can you to stop crying? <laughs> I don't particularly remember signing up for this at this juncture. But, exactly, <laughs> but uh, but I, I I'm sure it's for a good reason, and I'm sure that it's uh, that everybody uh, <laughs> parents all appreciate are very appreciative of having that extra support around. So yeah, you I'm are you good, are around. you're taking one for the team,
2: and, uh, <laughs> and
1: and we appreciate we appreciate you taking the time out of a uh, busy newborn newborn filled life to talk to discuss a behemoth. To discuss a lot of things, Sorry, new, <laughs> new babies, big big league baseball has n- two different things that are new for the league itself. Number one, maybe they got a new ball, and number two, they got a new challenge trying to control what the hell people put on the ball. So let's start with the with the with the with the shit on the ball story that you, mm-hmm. I believe that was the headline there on the athletic with you and Ken Rosenthal <laughs> talked about how this is evolved beyond just the kind of quasi innocent. You know, a little bit of rosin, and a little bit of of, um, of sunscreen into something that's uh, a, an ongoing concern around the league.
2: Yeah, um, it's uh, it's getting to a point where uh, you know I've reported that you know like eighty percent of the league is doing something. Uh, you know, putting a sticky substance on their fingers to uh, to increase their grip or actually to increase their RPM, their spin rate on the pitch, uh, which increases the movement on the pitch, which uh, makes the stuff better. And uh, a couple of revelations that were recent, which one was um, that it increases breaking ball stuff more than fastball stuff. So I'd done a, a study and it showed that it increased fastball stuff by 10% basically could turn Michael Pineda's fastball into trevor bowers um you know just just by using um uh sticky stuff which is a kind of ironic couple of players uh to <laughs> to highlight but mm-hmm. uh, in any case uh that 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 does happen but i've talked to other people since and they said dude it's much worse uh it's much bigger of a, of a boon for breaking balls it increases breaking ball stuff by about 30 percent so you put that together with the rising strikeout rate, the rising use of breaking balls, the, the the breaking balls that we're seeing today that we never saw before. Like think about Jacob deGrom's, and I'm not trying to point at fingers at anybody, but just think about Jacob deGrom's 94 mile an hour slider. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. I mean, uh, think about some of the other crazy, super hard, super bendy breaking balls we're seeing today. I don't think that, I think those are kind of new pitches. Like I, I don't think that we're, those are, we ha- we're struggling to even name them. You know, is it a, is it a slutter you know is it like a, what is it, is it like a power slider is it a you know so like uh uh you know i i i think that that is part from uh having the ability to put stuff on your fingers in front of a mach- machine that'll tell you exactly how many rpm you've just
1: added by the stuff you put on your fingers Well, the the RPM thing is huge, I think, because, you know, so many uh, of us are seeing, I mean, uh, the Blue Jays pitching brain trust is, is known for, just like many others, being able to kind of identify somebody who, if they've got a high spin curve or a high spin fastball, really putting it to work. But for me, I think about... If, if so many of these guys are putting, uh, adding even extra spin to their fastball, and they're also high velocity guys, I mean, it's already hard enough to hit a baseball. Now, if it's a, you know, I'm thinking of that guy, uh, Josh Stamont, that pitched for the Royals against the Blue Jays, you know, this past weekend, who's got like crazy stuff, but still, and still has like really high spin rates. When you put those things together, it, it makes the, uh, the proposition of trying to hit big league pitching even more daunting than before.
2: Yeah, yeah. And, um, and, you know, baseball is looking for a way to reduce strikeout rate. Um, And so, you know, this could be a way to do it. You know, you're talking about moving the mound and, uh, you know, not like seriously, but people talk about like changing what it takes to strike out four strikes or like, you know, like uh, changing the number of strikes and balls. But we're like we're literally talking about a pitch clock, moving the mound, changing the zone. Doing robot umps, all these things to maybe uh, you know, get more balls in play. And there's one right in front of us that's in the rule book. Uh, and so today the piece was a little bit about the fact that um, I'd previously thought maybe it's impossible to do this because sunscreen and rosin, that's always the Red Sox one. Uh, you know, I think people remember uh, Clay Buckles with the shiny arms, um, you know, and, and, and uh, how the Red Sox had the had the bullfrog and, and rosin going. And I thought, you know, you can't ban bullfrog. You can't ban sunscreen. Um, you know, there, there'd be some serious ramifications for that. So, uh, you know, <laughs> like you're putting them in, in skin cancer, more dangerous skin cancer, It doesn't work that way. So I, I thought that that was a big deal, but when I actually looked and did the study, um, there's a huge difference between sunscreen and rosin, which gives you like a tiny benefit, maybe some grip, but not a really big deal. And the stuff they're using now, which you can attach your hand to a cinder block, Using just <laughs> the tack. I mean, there's a picture in that piece where you're just like, what? Like, <laughs> like this is pure, possible? like
1: infomercial middle of the night, <laughs> order <laughs> it from some kind of like morally <laughs> ambiguous figure, uh, somewhere exactly. in like a disputed zone. But but I, I guess the question is is and and I know that the piece touches on this where the league is kind of looking for for repeat examples like someone who's mm-hmm. brazenly breaking the rules they've got a, a a large sample size as they might say of of uh, of of balls that they're able to use to build a case to be like this is something that you're doing repeatedly but again it, it seems to me like it's the, it would be really difficult to to pin it down
2: yeah because. Um, you know, there's an infamous picture of Yadi Molina with the ball stuck to his chest protector. So I feel like if I was a pitcher and, uh, you know, I I was looking to cast doubt on, you know, any suspension that would might cost me millions of dollars of like a lot of dollars, you know, Mm -hmm. um, I would say, you know, well, are you sure that my catcher didn't touch it? Um, you know, are you sure it didn't just pick it up, uh, you know, on the ground or something? Um, and so, Yes, you can kind of like maybe use video to be like, okay, here's a ball you threw, catcher didn't really touch it, but the catcher's going to touch every ball, mm-hmm. you know? So like, what if there's just like some around his mitt or something? So it's kind of, uh, it's kind of difficult. However, by identifying the fact that sunscreen is one substance, right? And then pine tar is another. And then there's a stuff called spider tack, which, you know, if you could find some spider tack, they'd be like, well, there's no reason for the catcher to have spider tack on him. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I think if you're going to give baseball the benefit of the doubt, which, uh... (laughs) (laughs) but if you're going to give baseball, the benefit of the doubt, I think what you say is um, they're, they're gathering information and they want to see how much stuff pops on their, you know, when they send it to the lab, how much ridiculous stuff is out there, how many people are doing the ridiculous stuff and how many people are doing just a little bit of pine tar and how many people are doing uh, the sunscreen and rosin. And um, once they have a sense of how big a problem it is, but you know, but you talk to people inside the game and people who are are shepherds of the game, people who are, you know, high up in baseballs, you know, they care and -hmm. they know it matters.
1: But it also feels like it's a little bit of a mutually assured destruction at this point because <laughs> the, the sort of thing where nobody wants to point the finger at the other team because they know yeah. their, their own guys are doing all the same sort of stuff. And, so maybe it takes, you know, a Mike fires, and it, maybe there needs to be some kind of like a, a whistleblower of type. Of and such and there's gonna, some hitters that might want to step up, but then you got sort of hitters mm-hmm. versus
2: pitchers, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it almost takes like a pitcher. And, and in terms of a whistleblowing pitcher, like Trevor Bauer kind of tried to be that. You know, he told yeah. us he mm-hmm. told us all, hey, look at my spin rates in the first inning the other day. Uh, that was about two years ago. And then when that didn't matter, uh, I guess he kind of joined up. But but I would say there's also mutually sort dis- of dis- dis- destruction between baseball proper and the union on this one, because they're also stepping to the plate to talk about the CBA right now. Mm-hmm. You know, they're just now starting to negotiate the CBA. So, like, does baseball really want to? get some bad blood like just really you know like just
1: to is this the really line in the sand is this is this is this worth drawing a line in the sand yeah like, do I they want to kick over another? the hornet's
2: nest about this yeah, issue exactly and start like a big battle in court maybe or, or in front mm-hmm. of the arbitrators about whether or not these people touch these balls and you know do you want to start that whole thing right now or maybe mm. maybe gather information this year and wait till there's a cba in place and then maybe try something later but it's uh, and it's also kind of feels like something that's super insider baseball. So like, I'm not getting the feeling from my views or my reads or my Twitter feed that people care that much about this issue. <laughs> I, th-
1: I, I mean, I think it's it's because it's so widespread. Yeah. And it's And and again, I feel like. Unless you have that inside baseball view, it's hard to determine where like the superhuman feats that we're seeing on a regular basis anyway, stop and Mm. this performance enhancement begins. Because again, you know, while while whomever it is if it's nate pearson if it's anybody who's throwing 98 99 102 uh when we see guys like ryan Barocki who's pitching uh you know for the blue jays where as a starter is 93 let's put that time in he goes up to 97 and it's like well you know that's awesome a it's fun to watch it's fun to see the the score the the radar gun light up but it's like where where does where does that where do we draw that line and and again my i think you know not not to downplay the work but I think fans are like hey it works for us you know our guy our guy's striking everybody out yeah, so right, I'm, right. I'm not about to say no
2: i like uh, our pitching ninja you know our, our pitching ninja clips so. yeah exactly <laughs> i'll retweet
1: all those but then when it's somebody else i'm pointing the finger and casting aspersions Right. <laughs> we'll be right back with more spin rate but first check this
0: out
1: You another thing we were talking about. One thing baseball has done, which has been to make some changes to the ball. Uh, what, what did you find about about changes to the ball? I know that some uh, there are a few players that Blue Jays fans were a little wary of. Somebody who you know, like Kevin Biggio, for example, who had quite a few like just enough style home runs. Mm-hmm. But what have the early returns been on the new ball here in the big leagues? Yeah,
2: there was some um, research that was updated that was in that piece. So uh, I'll just simplify to what I know to be true, which I think is this. They made the ball deader inside, but they also made it lighter. And by making it lighter, uh, velocity is up across the league. So I think that's just, you know, it's a lighter ball. It's easier to throw. And um, exit velocities are up. Barrel rates are up. So like you, they're hitting the ball harder, despite the fact that it was supposed to be deadened. Um, and so even though there's these arrows in different directions, we're going to end up in a lot of the same place um, which seems unfortunate because I the ball, like the sticky substance, I feel like the ball could be a way to manipulate the game. Like, if they were good at it, <laughs> you know what I mean, if they yeah. were good at manipulating the ball and doing the right things with the ball, I think they could. Like, if they made the ball heavier, you could reduce velocity. Velocity is a big source of strikeout rates, right? Mm-hmm. Make the ball instead of making the ball, they made the ball. As much lighter as they could without getting the rules committee involved, like they said, it's one tenth of an ounce. Well, one tenth of an ounce is almost three grams. A three gram change is significant. If you're looking at weighted balls and you're doing a weighted ball thing, there are balls that are about three to five grams difference. So, like this is a it's a major thing. For so sure. in, instead of making it lighter, make it heavier. Reduce velocities around mm-hmm. the game. Um, reduce home runs. I mean. I think the trick is that they don't want to reduce home runs; they just want to reduce strikeouts. <laughs> That's what they're they're trying to kind of
1: fiddle around with things. I, I feel like whenever they're 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 trying to do the that kind of internal uh, calculus, it's the 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 increase of home runs is the thing that I always come back to. Like, oh, we'll move the mound back, and it's like then it's just going to be one home run after another. Like could, everybody in the really league be, is yeah. so strong; they're also geared up. Everybody's generating crazy bat speed. They spend all winter long, you know, perfecting. Uh, uh, uh there's swing there's so much talent that 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 I think that I, I would agree with you that the ball might be the way to to sort of you know fine fine tune and do things that that don't necessarily sh- you know, over overly advantage hitters versus pitchers versus not versus fans, but with fans being included and yeah. in I still want to have an entertaining product and see the, see the ball and play and see guys moving around the bases. But at the same time, you don't want it to just go from one way to the other. And I don't think doing nothing is an option either.
2: Yeah. I kind of, I like, I, you know, if you go to a game, going to a game is very different than watching on TV, watching on TV. I think a strikeout can be compelling, right? Mm-hmm. Because you can see the bend, you can see the location, you can, you get the great view, right? And you're like, Whoa, that was a nasty pitch at the game though. Uh, especially like in 80% of the seats, like you barely know what the pitch type was. You definitely don't know where in the strike zone it was. The strikeout is just a strikeout for the most part, right? You might look up on the board and be like, Ooh, through 99, right. Or something or a hundred, you know, then you might, but that's about it. Um. So what I've noticed is, like, people are on their phones a fair amount of games. I'm not gonna. I'm not shaming fans. Like, Mm -hmm. baseball is a a little bit more of a you know hang out all day kind of thing. You know where yeah, it's okay to look at your phone or talk to your friends or whatever. You know, I don't shame fans for that. But what I'm saying is, they look up when you hear the crack of the bat. Yeah, I do think Mm -hmm. balls in play sort of arrest. They get our attention. And Jeff and Marshall once said to me, people pay for us to, you know, knock the ball around, throw the ball around and fall down. And he was talking about like sort of balls in play, you know, he's, they, they want to see action. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I think that balls in play is a, is a thing to, to try and get. Um, and the other way of doing it, that I think is very interesting is, um, and I'm not saying the roboumps are perfect. And I, and I hear people that don't like roboumps, but if you do have robo you can be very precise about the strike zone. And so if you can be very precise about the strike zone and you can be more precise about the ball, you could do these little things that change the ball a little bit and change the strike zone a little bit to get what you want. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I, I, like I think it's a lot easier to do that than to tell, okay, uh, umpires, you got to call above the knee instead of below the knee. Well, mm -hmm. how many years is that going to take until like it's normal,
1: right? Well, and (laughs) it's still, and, and you know, while I am, I am someone who likes the, the the judgment call aspect of it, I really do. I like that. Just kind of you like yelling
2: about it, or no, I liked
1: that. It, I just liked that it's it's something that is you it's chaos. Has, you need to it's something that I, I we all need to accept at times. <laughs> and if the strike zone is, is 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 consistent, then I think it's just something that you need to you can accept and then work too. So the other night, uh hyunjin Ryu was facing the Blue Jays, and I can't remember the umpire's name. <laughs> Umpire was giving a pretty good outside corner to 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 righties, and mm-hmm. and I'm thinking if if Ryu is able to get that same corner, that's going to be a really you know competitive that's advantage. That's an element, that's a of a way to win. That's strategy. exactly now. Of yeah. course, he he didn't have his best stuff and didn't and you know had a bit of a rocky outing. But to me, I I like that piece of it. But I do agree that you you know you you can't just tell an umpire like tighten up the zone because it's still it's still a judgment call yeah. and and i feel like when when umpires are are almost going to maybe skew a little bit larger in terms of the strike zone um mm. but but you know in in the interest of of kind of maybe looking to improve and 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 make the game continue to be compelling for people who aren't already you know too far gone, like us. You know, if we're <laughs> trying to bring the next group of people around, if that's what it takes, then that's what it takes. And and, and I don't know that I would. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily love it, but I would probably be okay. Do from you watch that some perspective. basketball? Hmm? Do you watch l- some basketball? I love basketball. I love basketball.
2: Do you, like basketballs, I, I personally think basketball is a better product now than before.
1: Absolutely, I absolutely agree. I think that the the caliber of the play, the the quality of the players, the shooting, all that stuff is mm-hmm. is great. I think that in my mind, they should remove the corner three a little bit because mm. there are players like uh, like Blake Griffin, for example. 3 and
2: D guys that just camp out there.
1: Or just even a player like, like Blake Griffin or guys even like LaMarcus Aldridge who just retired the other week. Like, the game doesn't has moved past guys like that, and I think it's a little bit of a shame because mm. that, that three-pointer in the corner is, is too easy. For the NBA mm. players, and 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 uh, while I, I agree that the quality of the game is 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 through the roof, and the skills and the but athleticism, that also seems
2: like a possible thing they could change. You know yeah, right? yeah, like like, like, just, like that
1: basketball, just
2: they like when we talk about these things in baseball, it seems like oh they'll never do that, or oh that's mm-hmm. too big of a deal, or we can't do that. But in basketball, they're just like no, we're you know now you can't, and and they seem to do smaller things. You know, like it was like I think the hand check thing was the real big difference maker.
1: You know, Mm -hmm.
2: they were just like you can't you can't really hand check a guy on the perimeter anymore. Boom. How much changed?
1: They the hand check thing the the zone defense and then even yeah. like the little the perimeter circle like they, they say you can't take a charge if you're closer to the basket than this they drew yeah. a line on the court that didn't used to be there and now it's just something that's part of the game I think
2: it's and, better for the
1: game yeah and Kyle Lowry still manages to take, take two charges a game <laughs> like a true hero uh, so we talked about the new ball we talked about the new stuff that people are putting on the ball let's talk about some new and improved versions of some folks that we're seeing especially uh, from a Toronto Blue Jay perspective can't start. Anywhere better than Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who gets a lot of run on this podcast, but uh, I don't <laughs> think anyone else would deserve it uh, Deserve it more. I know the, b- before the season, uh, you co-wrote a, a piece with my co-host, uh, Caitlin McGrath, about something that Vlad wanted. you wanted to see Vlad do a lot more, and it was hit the ball in the air, which, simple enough. I mean, you, drew a, you made a great point, one that I've made myself, that Vlad doesn't really, you know, he walks, he takes his walks, doesn't really strike out. You know, those are such key elements already. Like he's, he's, already, he's, great. he's, already, he's already great. He's already really good. Yeah. And then now we're seeing him hit the ball in the air. We're seeing him drive the ball, and we're seeing him be even more selective and striking out even even less. Uh, I, I I know what you think. You probably don't watch him quite as closely, but but it's it's been a really 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 really. I mean, the guy's got a 500 on base percentage. It's been an encouraging start to the season. So. Yeah.
2: No, and and like you know, I, I, you couldn't draw it up any better. I mean, he's twenty two; it's his third year, and he's done what he needs to do. He's improved his plate discipline to where it's elite. Uh, he's retained his contact ability, and now he's hitting the ball in the air. I mean, you couldn't draw it up better. The only only thing that uh, you kind of wish he was still at third or something, but mm-hmm. uh, you can have a superstar first baseman, you know. And uh, and honestly, I don't think this is one the, the skill set combination is not super common. I mean, it's not like Juan Soto to me is in the kind of Miguel Cabrera vein, right? Mm-hmm. Um, excellent opposite field power. Excellent. eye. Um, Vlad has uh better contact rates than some of those groupings. You know what I mean?
1: Mm-hmm. I, I think that you'll never see Vlad post a walk rate. Like you see from Soto because yeah. Vlad and, and, and uh, to his detriment previously, but I think it's working much better for him now, he puts the ball in play too much. Mm-hmm. Right? He, he he just, he's has such good uh, bat-to-ball skills that he's in, he, he doesn't quite get himself into those walk situations. What I've seen is he is walking a ton. And more than that, he's in hitter's counts like every single time up so you'll see some what i was what i've been saying is you'll see a lot of swing and miss from him but that's because he's two zero and 3-1 and just bombs away and he's he's happy to guess because he's not afraid to hit 2-2 he's not afraid to to to, to have the, the count mm-hmm. run even but i don't think you'll ever see those big walk rates but i think everything else and, and I, I watched an interesting video about how much um his fitness has allowed him to like really um you know bring the uh, get his back half in a what much better position and really mm. take advantage of that crazy bat speed that he's always had. And it's just been, it's been great. It's been great to watch. It's
2: I'm looking, I'm looking side sort of sort of like what I'm trying to find here. Like, you know, Hank Aaron played in a different era, but mm-hmm. he has that sort of thing where he made a ton of contact and just, and walked a decent amount, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And had a bunch of power like that. That's an interesting sort of uh, icon to compare him to will have to have the longevity to really do it. Alex Rodriguez is a more modern guy who for his career struck out 11%, I mean walked 11% of the time and struck out 19%. Mm-hmm. That seems a little bit that seems close to what uh, Vlad could do, but Vlad might strike out less than that, you know? Yeah. So uh, it's a, it's an interesting set of skills that uh that in the modern era, I guess Albert Pujols, but he strikes out a little bit more than Pujols, but maybe like Pujols a little bit. It's not it's just not
1: Exactly the same, but it's crazy. These are the guys we're comparing to, you know, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who's got what, like forty career home runs, and like but I believe, two. I
2: believe, I'm I'm totally in the tank. I, really, I think he's done everything he needed to do, and he's doing it, and he's this is
1: a star ascendant. oh hundred percent, one hundred percent. Now, yeah. I know you you talked about a little bit about uh, Bo Bichette and some things that he might be able to do differently. I think so far in 2021, we're seeing a lot of the same things that Bo Bichette can do, and and I talk about elite, you know, bat to ball skills, but also a guy who's hyper aggressive to the point that i i you made a good point in your story uh, with Caitlin earlier this year that the kind of thing that could get him into a bit of trouble as he gets older.
2: Yeah, it's not a great reach rate. He's improved it from last year when it was like among the league's worst, you know. The mm-hmm. first two years he he swung at like 45% of the pitches he saw outside the zone and that's just not a good way to go about business because your ability to make contact on pitches outside the zone is almost directly tied to your athleticism. Mm-hmm. As soon as your athleticism starts to go down, you just, it, it's like risks, you know, it's a, uh, it's uh it's like it's like when you see someone hit a ball out when they were when they opened up too early and they're in the tank you know what i mean and Mm -hmm. and like they don't do that when they're old they kind of do that when they're young and powerful and like they just wrist it out you know Mm -hmm. um making contact on pitches outside the zone is one of the things that ages the worst in baseball so i'm happy to see that he made some improvement but i uh it's not great it's still uh, among the league's worst um and uh I I have to say that I'm not sure about the longevity, um, especially since you're already starting to see a slightly higher strikeout rate. So I wonder if, um, you know, once he gets to 28, 29, 30, the other side of 30, uh, he might be a guy that has sort of 30% strikeout rates, Uh, even though he showed such great ability uh, putting bat to ball uh, in the minors and in his early career. It's just not a good idea to reach that much as pitches outside the zone.
1: I want to ask you real quick, uh, I don't know I don't know that I prepped you for this as much, but uh, mm-hmm. I know you as you know, someone who used to watch The Mets really closely. You've probably seen a lot of Stephen Matz. Mm-hmm. I don't know mm-hmm. if you've seen much of him uh, um, with since he's come to Toronto. Obviously, the results have been really great, um, throwing a lot of strikes, which is just kind of like a never a bad, never a bad way to go, never a bad plan. But if you're a Blue Jays fan, is this something you can maybe get legitimately excited about, or is it? Or if you're thinking about Stephen Matt's kind of regressing, is it we're going to see him start to lose that command and, and be a bit more wild um, as as the season progresses? I'm
2: uh, not as convinced. I, I'm, not, this is, I'm not. You're not going to get a, a Vlad Guerrero uh, gushing here. We're not going to um, start
1: like bringing, uh, Warren Spahn and uh, yeah. Randy Johnson. Not quite
0: one of those guys.
2: <laughs> In fact, but the one thing I will say is, um, like, I do think he has about league average command. So um, I think that he will go the way of his command. So if they have, if if they have him. Uh, like sort of attacking places where his he his command is at his best, you know. If they if they have like when you saw Tyler Glassnow, Tyler Glassnow's command hasn't really improved uh, in Tampa Bay. It looks like it has because his walk rate has, but it's they've just t- told him to pitch to the middle of the zone. Know and they're like, Your stuff is so good, just pitch the middle of the zone. I don't think you can tell Steven Matz that, so I'm sure that they've told him just keep this up and keep this low and 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 don't worry about side to side or something like that, you know. So maybe they've gotten something out of him that way, but um, I'm doing my pitching ranks right now. Uh, Steven Matz, uh, I have a stuff number based on his uh, I'm I'm based on the pitch movement and velocity of his pitches. Uh, his number right now is 82, where 100 is average, um, and so. Ecomps, comps. Um, who's e comp with? Uh, Sean Manaya, who's been having some okay results, but I don't. I don't know that you'd bet on them to continue forever. Mm-hmm. Um, is somebody that's right there? Um, Nick Marge, Marge- Nick Marge-, Marge
1: I'm really bad at names. I'm sorry.
2: <laughs>
1: when, um, well, <laughs> household names like Nick's. I'm surprised, yeah. <laughs> you know just synonymous with with high quality left handed. Plus Flex. And you wrote on him about having a new pitch. So, so maybe that's uh that's, so what's I mean the, the one thing that,
2: that Matt's does is he has he has four pitches, but I just don't think the breaking balls are quality though. Mm-hmm. So the, the changeup is his only above average pitch. I don't know if he can throw it much more than he's getting closer to a third. Um sinkers are not around the game or being devalued, and his sinker is only about average, um, even though he throws it kind of hard. So um I just uh I don't see um, I don't see it continuing, but I, you know, the one thing that they do need is just innings, you yeah. know, um, mm-hmm. and some of it, some of the hope I think with Matt's is just to be a bridge, like in the, in the same way that the rays got, you know, Waka and all these guys, uh, they're hoping to kind of hand off the ball when, if they decide rich Hill is toast, which, you know, the decision may be coming any day, um, then, you know, they're hoping that they can hand the ball to McClanahan or Honeywell or one of their young guys and, and and go from there. So I think the Rays are, uh, the Jays are doing the same thing, right? They're just hoping mm-hmm. Matt's is good enough, long enough that, you know, Pearson gets healthy and, uh, and Simeon Woods-Richardson, you know, takes a step forward. Kay's looked a little bit better, you know? So like they're just hoping that these
1: guys give you enough innings before the young guys step in. More spin rate coming up right after these words from our sponsors. I don't, I don't want to take too much of your time. I know you've you're a, got a busy place at your house, and we already spoke about Kevin Biggio And what we do not need is another another podcast in which we run down the good, the good baseball name of Kevin Biggio. But I do want to ask you <laughs> about what your summer, what, what's it like right now for you, uh, you know, someone who spends so much time in the visiting clubhouse, so much time trying to get out and talk to players to kind of marry this sort of research and the analytic, analytical work that you do with these kind of uh, chats and getting to know uh, players and, 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 and getting some really fun stuff. How is this working out for you so far this year?
2: Oh, it's been terrible.
1: <laughs> i mean uh just a, i
2: i i rely on going into the clubhouse for ideas uh mm-hmm. i rely on it for feedback uh i rely on it i used to do stories where i talked to a player about how his pitch mix has changed it used to be my favorite sort of easy story that i think people liked reading of mine and like i can't really do that like i've i've, I've quit attending player zooms yeah i just quit because I get one question. I don't get a follow up. I, you know, I don't get to do usually what I do is, did you know that you're got like the highest slide or whiff rate in baseball or something like that? You know, Mm -hmm. I'd always come with like some sort of, you know, fluff them up factoid, you know, Uh, get them talking. And then, you know, you know, 20 minutes later, I've, you know, I've got a whole thing on their piece. You know, that's how I managed to do that piece about Sonny Gray and and the Yankees and everything, you know, Mm -hmm. and um, and, and spring training was the worst, not being able to go and do my yearly Votto where like, I, you know, I just could just sit down with him and just ask him what he's thinking about, you Push know, report and on
1: the, on the player. And then just I, like stir I it, so. hard, I never <laughs> yeah. worked hard on the Votto
2: pieces, you know, yeah. like they were, they were just so easy. So, um, I'm really hoping to get my second shot soon. Awesome. Uh, I'm really hoping that, uh, more and more teams um, get that 85% threshold. i um, hoping that at least they'll open up. There's been some talk about opening up to maybe on the field, uh, you know, out, outdoors kind of uh, uh, discussions with players. It still requires a little bit. Like I, the one thing that I'd love to do was prepare for a couple players, but also just be prepared to just talk to s- some people I knew and, and, and just talk and just mm-hmm. be kind of. Uh, and it's a little bit different to be like, uh, PR, can you go get. You know, mm-hmm. blah blah blah, and blah 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 for me, mm-hmm. and then there's always like this. Uh, I could, but you know, you're not like
1: you're not. I can or anything. So <laughs> I, I don't. I don't think. I don't think. You know. I don't think you can get him. One of the, the the sometimes the stuff that I would get that I liked the best was when I would be talking to one guy, and there's somebody else would be would be there, and they're kind of chopping it up, or they're kind of just like offering. Uh, yeah. uh, their two cents. I remember I was talking to Miguel Cabrera and, uh, oh my God, I can't believe his name mm. has escaped me. And he was there and they were kind of joking and then he, I wouldn't say he pulled me aside but I, I asked him something and he's like, he's the best I've ever seen. Like there's nobody who's yeah. anywhere close. And he gave me like something really specific about about Miguel Cabrera that Cabrera's not going to say himself other than the fact that like he, he did. That's it was another like, thing. Oh, come yeah. on, like, yeah. If
2: you can't get a player to say, you know, exactly what you wanted or what you needed, like, then mm-hmm. you go to the other players and you, like that. That, or the coach and stuff, and and this like I and Zoom, everybody sees you coming a mile away. If mm-hmm. you get a good quote, everybody else is writing it down and using it in their story. You know what I mean? Like I, I never liked the Scrum, and I don't want to be a part of it. So, um yeah, I'm hoping. And then you know, one of my favorite stories of all time, Adam Dunn is behind. Brandon Moss and I'm interviewing Brandon Moss about and he's being super upfront about having a hole at the top of a swing, which is amazing because it's really important for today's baseball. Like I look, I go mm-hmm. back and read that. And I'm like, whoa, there's a lot of players like this because Brandon Moss wanted to launch the ball and all he did was hit homers for a while and then people figured out that he had a big hole at the top of his zone because he had an uppercut swing and I'm like, wow, this is like, you know, this is great stuff. You're being really honest with me and he's like, yeah, I try to lay off it, Uh, but if they did th- if the, the guy can hit three times a high and away, like I tip my cap to them and it's a strikeout, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, And he's talking about like trying to get out of a slump and all this stuff. It's so great. And Adam Dunn is in the background, just clowning, just, just <laughs> being a total ass really. But it was so funny. I mean, you know, at some point, Brandon Moss says like um, something about Ruben Amar Jr. And, and Adam Dunn's like, who's that? And uh, <laughs> Brandon Moss is like my GM. Uh, and, and Adam Dunn goes, jams don't matter. And Brandon Moss says, it does if you're in the minor leagues and you want to make the major league team like I was. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> Did you awesome. hear the rest of the story I was telling? And like Adam Jones is just like. He he said at one point, um, "Hit home runs, line drives will follow," which is not only a great Adam Dunnism, mm-hmm. but also maybe relevant to today's baseball.
1: <laughs> Adam Dunn, hundred percent ahead of the game, ahead of the, ahead yeah, of the track. Exactly, uh, yeah. I want to say it was Ruan Santiago was the guy that I was talking oh, to. Oh, nice! Great. Yeah. Now knowing that this is going to be has been a rough season, well, the last thing I'll ask you for: what kind of beer are people going to be drinking this summer?
2: Oh well I did a really cool collaboration in Chicago um with uh and, and it's funny I didn't this is funny to, to Toronto listeners. Um I forgot about Ephis Brown ale from left it uh, from uh left field. Mm-hmm. Uh and I called it uh Ephus. <laughs> but uh it's a hazy pale ale, and that's what I'm hoping we see more of because a um I'm putting on the pounds. I'm trying to, I'm running, 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 trying to get rid of those pounds. Uh, (laughs) but uh, if you can give me a hazy pale ale at five percent alcohol, most of the calories in beer come from the alcohol. Okay, so if you can give me a hazy pale ale, Cellar Maker makes some good ones out here, like then I'm getting the taste. It feels like I'm having like a hazy IPA, and it's great, but it's only five percent, so it's fewer calories. So that's that's what uh, I collaborated on, and I'm hoping. That I'm sure there's some Toronto uh, breweries that that will uh, that will take part in this. I'm hoping to cause a little bit of a mini trend here, but um, you know that uh, uh, it, it's 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 a hard thing to pull off because you know haziness uh, covers the alcohol, and usually you think of a hazy double IPA even, uh, but uh, hazy single pale. That's what I'm hoping to drink more of this summer.
1: The uh, the good people at Left Field absolutely kill it, and they've been pushing out so many really cool uh, offerings and, to them. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure that it's all it's all it's all in the game. It's all if in we the game. If you want to
2: collaborate, I'll, I'll, with them, I'll, I'll I'll do a different name.
1: <laughs> they have a they have a West Coast Swing IPA, but it has a bit of a higher uh, higher yeah, alcohol comment. So yeah. so maybe uh, maybe not the right not the one for you uh the gigante is a new one maybe you'll, you can check that one out crisp and light but uh you nice. know thank you so much for taking the time i really appreciate it i always i was i said in the intro before you you and i were on we've been doing this for almost 10 years you and i are close to it we've been popping on have you on a million different podcasts every single one i really enjoy so thank you so much for taking the time it's been great
2: yes uh and uh, once again apologies for some of the scheduling mishaps
1: but uh had to make sure i got
2: on with you and uh, it was a pleasure as always
1: Awesome, Eno Saris of the Athletic. Thanks everybody. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening to this show. Uh, listening this week, listening to the two episodes a week that we do now. I want to recommend that you go back and read Eno's story with Ken Rosenthal about all the shit that they're putting on the ball. Go go back to the archives a little bit. Read uh, a couple weeks ago when he's writing about the new ball. Some of the conclusions he spoke to, spoke of, and of course, you can go back and read the story that he wrote before the before the season with Caitlin all about what some of the blue Jays players needed to do to really start to hit the ground running and uh, and become their truest selves here in 2021 and I think that uh, a couple of them are definitely on the way some some obvious um, room for improvement for some of those guys and as I, and as usual you can of course go and read everything that Caitlin writes Caitlin co-host of spin rate would be nowhere without her here in 2021 and if you want to do all those things you got to go to theathletic.com slash spin rate to to subscribe get yourself a nice little discount and then of course let them know that we sent you if you want to sign up for my vladimir Guerrero jr newsletter you can do that at fairservice.substack.com it's, lot. it's pretty easy to write when all he does is get hits And he gets on base three and four times a night um, Also one thing I've, I will Shout out, Caitlin did a great story On Vlad Jr. this week So go read that, sign up for the podcast Sign up for the newsletter and then sign up for the podcast Wherever it is that we do Get our podcasts There's all these different ones now I don't know what they are But sign up, hit us with a review But for for uh, for Caitlin Who's not here during the week For Eno, who you can follow on Twitter at Enoseris. My name is Drew Fairstones, and we will talk to you again soon on Spin Night.